Hello and welcome to the Cafe Bitcoin podcast, brought to you by Swan Bitcoin, the best way to buy and learn about Bitcoin. I'm your host, Alex Danton, and we're excited to announce that we're bringing the Cafe Bitcoin conversation from Twitter Spaces to you on this show, the Cafe Bitcoin podcast, Monday through Friday, every week. Join us as we speak to guests like Michael Saylor, Len Alden, Corey Clipston, Greg Foss, Tomer Strohlight, and many others in the Bitcoin space. Also, be sure to hit that subscribe button. Make sure you get notifications when we launch a new episode. You can join us live on Twitter Spaces Monday through Friday, starting at 7 a.m. Pacific and 10 a.m. Eastern every morning to become part of the conversation yourself. Thanks again. We look forward to bringing you the best Bitcoin content daily here on the Cafe Bitcoin Podcast. All righty then, let's get rolling. Welcome to Cafe Bitcoin. Our mission for this show is to provide the signal in a sea of noise and teach the other 7 billion people on this planet why there is hope because of this bright orange feature that we call, oops, Bitcoin. Not oops, but Bitcoin. Today we're going to discuss Bitcoin adoption rates, lizard tears, other things that are going on with Bitcoin. I'm going to make a statement that may sound controversial, but the Bitcoin network emits no emissions. I'm seeing articles now dropping that that are saying that the emissions of the Bitcoin network are are being reduced or they're dropping numbers, and it's it's a uh, it's a sleight of hand, and is dangerous because it plays right into ESG narrative BS. It's not true. That's 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 absolutely correct, Alex. And when they print more money, it's not inflationary. That's also true. Well, it's inflationary of the money supply. This is where they confuse people. It does. It is inflationary. But what you got to be precise about that. It's inflationary of the money supply. It's inflating the supply of money. Does that inflate the price of goods? No, not immediately. There's a lag. And this is where they confuse people. I, I was just playing into the confusion of the Bitcoin emission issue. That's very witty, Peter, but not everybody knows where, where where the price inflation actually comes from because they're confusing the shit out of people. Well, damn it, people, wake up. Start understanding what money is. It's important in your life. Well, I think it helps to be a little bit more specific when we're talking about the Bitcoin energy use, especially when it's... Uh, on grids that have excess wait, 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 slow down. This is the point. This is exactly the point. You just said energy use, but that's not what the article said. It said the Bitcoin network, which most people think of as miners. They do not admit emissions. The energy does, but see, this is where they're trying to, this is the whole point. This is what they're trying to do is they're trying to confuse people with it. Well, the energy already existed and the emissions were already expelled. That's when yeah, Bitcoin comes along. Yeah, they, they, they're also confusing people because people are assuming that they're, that they're using energy that is um, otherwise would otherwise be used or they're using um, energy that would otherwise, like Nate just said, uh, that natural gas that otherwise would be flared or sour gases or whatever it is that they're using. I mean, they're not... People got to understand that they're what's not. even worse is if they can get people to believe this bullshit, it sets the precedent that that they can determine what is a good use of energy and you can't. 
that's the biggest part of the problem. Yeah. And that's what they're trying to do. Energy use is good. It's not, it's not bad. More energy is good. Not, not bad. And I mean, if you get down to the emissions, I mean, I think we said it here, but so, but you know, I went on that trip, came back, checked my mailbox, tons and tons of that credit card offer crap. Many, many, many envelopes, shiny, foil, heavy, lots of paper inside. And I got a bunch of them. And that was just this one trip, just this one week. Like, how much is that? Like, what's the energy cost of that crap? And, and, and that's all government subsidized because it, it goes through the mail at the bulk rate. And, the, and, and we pay for that <laughs> because we pay for that because the mail U.S. Post Service actually loses money on that. Don't energy companies have the right to sell all of their product and get paid for all of their product? Yeah, this is called capitalism. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You guys are talking crazy now. It's also interesting, uh, Alex, what, you know, what you're talking about, because it's the statists that, that want that, right? They want that control. And it is interesting, because this is a non-political kind of show, that the statists are on all sides of the aisle. They also want the ability to be hypocritical and say certain things, but um, they do other things and heavily support uh, fossil fuels directly. You mean Dom, you mean like uh, Elizabeth Warren flying private? What I mean is $42 billion by the country's uh, largest public pension in California invested into big oil and fossil fuels, 10% of its overall portfolio propping up the diggers, the drillers, the, the harvesters of the poisonous gas. Uh, meanwhile, they're pushing towards 100% renewable. I, I don't know a comparison for this. Uh, it's, it's like too crazy, but um, I don't know. Maybe it's like if I didn't want to get stung by mosquitoes, but I was investing in large pools of water that just sit in my backyard. Uh, I, I don't know. It's next level, though. Gabriel, good morning. Good morning. How are we doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Good. Hey, um, thank you for, for the Memorial Day focus that you had yesterday on the show. Um, just wanted to, I didn't get an opportunity to say thanks for that. It was uh, obviously it was timely. I felt like we really we really cracked open a good conversation there, and so uh, I appreciate you bringing me up and let me be a part of that. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, you bet. We're gonna keep uh, going down that vein, not on this show, but when we uh, fire up the Bitcoin Veterans uh, series of what are we gonna do? I'm not sure if it's gonna be a pod yet or Spaces, but it's gonna it's gonna happen. Been already talking to uh, Shane about production. This is gonna be a thing. Brandon, not good morning. Hey, good morning, Alex. Yeah, good morning, everybody. Yeah, the show yesterday was awesome. Appreciate you guys doing that. Alex, you guys putting that on. Um, and then and Dom, that makes me think of the, uh, there's a pension fund in Ohio that is invested in Beanie Babies, I believe. Um, wow. Wow. So anyway, thanks for putting that on yesterday, Alex. That was uh, beautiful stuff. Did you say invested in Beanie Babies? Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. So Don was saying that and immediately I thought he was actually, I just, I just logged in and I 
he started saying this and I thought he was going that route. And it made me want to pull, I got to pull the computer here and try to find that. It was like a year, year or two ago. I'd seen that somewhere with someone kind of high level talking about it. I think it was around the time, um, you know what it was? It was, uh, uh, Kiyosaki's book, who stole my pension. That's who I think it's in that book or at least him or, or uh, Edward Sedell, Ted Sedell, who co-wrote it with him, were talking about that. So it's in that book or they, you know, they had been talking about it. So I'll look that up and try to find it. But, yeah, that's a, that's a clown where we live in. How did that get past the governance? Oh, I'm sure Dom could tell you stories about that. The people that run the, the those endowments and pensions. Boy, oh, boy, look out. Yeah, there's some there's some questionable stuff that's like uh, it's it's you know how how anything would get through a bureaucracy where a bunch of people are doing a bunch of different things and stuff just slips through. Um, you you can open those portfolios and get some some interesting uh, takes. You can, I mean, just imagine the deals that go on behind closed doors. I just oh my god! I worked for a union for uh, six years as the director of IT for this particular one. And oh my goodness, the way they make decisions is quite fascinating. Yeah. yeah. That, oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry, Dom. Is, that book is really fascinating. And now the more I think about it, I read it or whatever it was, you know, two years ago when it came out, but just thinking of, like you said, Alex, the, the how things are done in the background, you know, just the grift that goes on and, and your money being spent uh, for trips and, and lavish, you know, and then going down that rabbit hole, just imagining what goes on in those trips, you know, kind of good old boys club type of things and uh, who actually runs those funds. It's it's mind blowing if the average person actually knew a fraction of where their where their time and energy was being spent. It's the it, well, it's the danger, right, of of collecting the labor of other human beings without a lot of accountability for what you're doing with that money is really what it comes down to. Yeah, I don't know if you guys saw that video, but there was a video with. Um, it was Max Kaiser talking about how like when he worked on Wall Street that the pension funds were essentially the dumping ground of Wall Street. That's where Wall Street went to sell all their garbage that they needed to get off their books. It's pretty fascinating. I think Greg Foss has talked about the same thing. I think I think there's a lot of aspects of that that are still true because when you look up a lot of the pension funds, I, I don't want to say um, Wall Street flunky is not a correct term. But a lot of them were like in Wall Street, maybe maybe didn't get to, you know, that that like highest level there and, and pivoted to, you know, they have experience in Wall Street. And so you can only imagine, you know, any any group that's like when they're having conversations with some of the the bigger folks in Wall Street, there's got to be a lot of give and take. And hey, you guys, we need, you know, who God knows, God knows. When you think about these relationships just in general, and it, you know, it's a cross-section of society, right, in a way, but there's just no oversight in, in generally in how they're, they're picking these people to run endowments. It's a lot of, you know, passing favors, things like that. You look at uh, Blackstone recently and, and how they, you know, they are gating funds. And then we talked about a couple months ago, I mean, month after month, they're, they're gating funds and they, but, you know, here we go, you know, Cal comes in or not CalPERS, but, you know, a school or someone comes in with a, here's another billion dollars, here you go. And it's like, wait, you're, you literally understand you're not getting your money out on one end, yet people are still lining up to give them a billion dollars on the other end. Just 
doesn't make an, an iota of sense. Does make you wonder though. There is there is an interesting opportunity coming up, I think, for CalPERS though. More uh, leverage, you mean? Well, basically, <clears throat> they the push now to divest in fossil fuels is is significant, right? And the poor folks uh, at CalPERS who are staring down the barrel of you know insolvency are like, wait a minute, like. These fossil fuels uh, equities are some of the best performers we've had in the last couple of years. Like we don't have a risk appetite. We can't afford to take big swings. And you want us to pull out of these uh, equities, which are some of our highest performers, because as a value based, uh, you know, path, you guys want renewables. This is a showdown that will not cease because, you know, how do the Democrats in California, you know, uh, what 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 can they say? How do you engage in conversation with the rest of the country saying we're a leader on renewable energy when they can just go, wait, you mean you're a leader in, in that you invest more than anyone in fossil fuels and big oil? Um, like, it, the, you know, it's this this will come to a head. And obviously, for those of us who understand Bitcoin, Bitcoin is the energy partner that like California won't look at. They, they won't uh, open their eyes to that. But it is a clear bridge to getting out of this pickle for them. It's right in front of their face. Well, if you want to do invest in energy, to me, it makes most sense to invest in Bitcoin, not energy, right? Because what you're doing, Bitcoin has a way of rewarding the winners and punishing the people making bad decisions with capital. It, it finds, it finds where the most innovation is happening. So basically Bitcoin itself can sort of act as your market research department, so to speak, if you're trying to figure out what asset to buy in, in, in the energy sector. And can, it, can you, Alex, can you elicit on that a little, little more, please, about how Bitcoin is able to do that? Well, if you think about it, it's done through basically mining, right? Because miners are heavily incentivized to find the most efficient energy sources at the lowest cost of production on the planet. So what does that do? It causes them to seek this out. It causes them to encourage infrastructure building and it causes um, energy generation companies to take another look at possibly building infrastructure they wouldn't have built because it's not going to ROI in a very, you know, the ROI on the, on major power generation plans is a very, very long-term prospect. Sometimes it's 30 or 50 or even more years. But if you can say, okay, well, we're going to slap this data center on site when you build this thing and we're going to ROI in 10 years, that, that drives the incentives for building out more power generation. You're seeing it on a micro scale in Africa where you've got these, I forget the name, but you've got these groups rolling around building little hydro hydropower facilities with little bit Bitcoin mines and they're deploying the capital to do it. What's the net result? Well, the net result is the villagers get power. Some of them for the first time ever at a very low cost. And they get access to what they get access to the internet. They get access to it, you know, all the, all the benefits that go along with it. But anyway, Bitcoin is acting as 
a discovery process to find the lowest cost power, the, the best generated power, the most efficient ways to produce power on the planet. And if your interest was power production, investing in energy, it seems to me that you could just let Bitcoin do it for you and just buy the Bitcoin. Yeah, we hit on this uh, in, in, I see Wade down there. What up, Wade? Uh, for the Alaska Bitcoin bootcamp. But we hit on this, on the fact that in Alaska, uh, they have the lowest electricity use per capita and pay the highest for electricity per capita. And exactly what Alex is talking about, if they, uh, you know, supported Bitcoin mining and, and the build out of infrastructure, I bet you they could change that uh, for sure. Because that's a, we all know because of the landscape of Alaska and it's hard to build out you know, uh, grids and infrastructure, but Bitcoin miners, if incentivized, would do it, uh, you know, in smaller to, to mid-size to larger scales. Tomer, do you have any thoughts on this? Sorry, it's hard to get the mic. I'm sorry, I, I've been distracted editing an article, so I haven't been keeping up. With no you worries. Said the last couple of minutes. I, I'm. I don't know. To me, it, it just reminds me of these discussions we've had about Bitcoin as energy. It's like the most efficient way to convert human beings capturing sources of energy around the planet and storing it in Bitcoin. It just seems like I don't know. It seems. Maybe I'm using the wrong analogy. There's probably some engineers out there that are flipping out. But to me, it's like Bitcoin is a really efficient battery to store energy. And they're like, well, it's not really storing energy. Okay, look, it's storing capital, which is energy to me. Yeah. Who, there's the, the physicist on Twitter. He's a Bitcoiner, I think. And then whenever someone says that, they like flip out. I, forget. I don't know who that is, but it is. It's, it's, it thing makes me think of the Aaron Rodgers thing going on to a Colin Cowherd. I'm sure that was circulating around Bitcoin Twitter like a uh, you know six months ago, and he, you know Aaron Rodgers was like, yeah, like I I secure you know my time and energy you know, with money like money is a store of that and Colin Cowher is just like laughing his ass off like oh money is time and energy like you moron, just hilarious and that's all it is and that's what it's a representation of Bitcoin is, money is a container for your time and energy, and we use dollars which have a hole in it it's a container with a hole in it which is inflation, and Bitcoin is a perfect container for your time and energy there's no hole in it meaning the more you pour in it just it goes up and up and up in value you can take some out if you want to but it's on your own accord there's no hole in the bottom of it and it's, that's it's what better than that it, it isn't it doesn't just not have a hole it actually seems to fill itself up as it goes because <laughs> your purchasing power rises over Absolutely. time and it's and it's not protected by the u.s military it's protected by energy yeah, that was the other part too. Uh, great point, Peter. Kind of what you were saying, Alex, where it starts demonetizing some of the other things we're doing around the world. Does it all stop? You know, cobalt mining or lithium or, you know, all these other things, gold and silver. No, it doesn't all go away, obviously, but it starts demonetizing some of the things and it only becomes then pertinent for the use case, the utility of those different things instead of people using them as a store of value, obviously with bonds as well or housing, all those things. So that energy transfer goes to Bitcoin instead of, hey, I'm just going to do it because I'm trying to store my wealth somewhere. We're just going to mine these things. We're just going to do these things because we actually need them to live, to survive, etc. Can you guys help me understand this 
perspective, the one you just mentioned, Brandon, about people are like, some people, some people are like, stores your time and energy. Ha ha ha. That's ridiculous. It's just money. Like, how, why do people think that? Does anybody know? Does there anybody have any insight into the way these folks think? Why they, why they think it's funny? Well, why they think it's, they don't get the connection that money actually is storing your time and your energy. They don't understand that. They, because they've grown up in an era when it doesn't. That's why. Well, that, and I, I think they take it very literally, right? Like, all right, your solar panel captures energy from the sun. The wires go to a battery. That battery holds actual usable kinetic energy that then can power your fridge and your AC. They, they're having it. This is just mm. a, this is an issue of going from A to C and folks not understanding that B can serve as a store of energy and power. Because if you had a miner that was mining Bitcoin at a much larger scale, for example, and that sun, you know, the excess that you couldn't store in the energy went to mine Bitcoin. And then that Bitcoin was used to you know, uh, uh, purchase, uh, another form of energy, it would be a transfer of energy. Still, it would be a transfer of energy because surely the energy goes, you know, from one place to the other. And so I think it's just the, the yeah, but you're, you're, tr you're just transferring the medium into and out of it's like, I saw this really good video a long time ago. I think it was by Chris Martinson and he was kind of trying to put energy into perspective. And he basically drew this, had this diagram where it was like, there was a light bulb in the house and the light bulb had a wire that was connected to a dude on a bike riding the bike to generate power with a little, um, what do you call those things? You know what I'm talking about? He's riding the bike. It's generating power. It's bringing a light, right? So that most humans in the Western world today live like Kings essentially because of cheap power. And I think the, the, the breakages in people understanding that their labor and their time is actually generating energy. And that energy is put into something. And that's something that we put it into is money. And it's like, if this, I mean, and it is your time. Because if that's not true, think about it like this. If you won the lottery today, Powerball, let's say, and you got $100 million and you had the option to not work anymore, you don't have to go generate and save and do all that other kind of stuff because now you have this gigantic battery of time and energy. All right, we got a lot of hands. I don't know who's next. I think Nate was first. Somebody else go on a little bit. I'll go on a second. So uh, I just wanted to say, Alex, is that people don't, people can't, can't do this because they don't know. If you were to tell, if you were to ask any person on the street, hey, if I give you a million dollars, would you put it in the bank? and leave it in the bank for the next 20 years. I, I don't think there is one person that would say, yeah, that's what I'm going to do with it because they're so, uh, uh, um, all they know is that they have to invest it. They have to invest it in something because it's worthless as dollars. And everybody knows that everybody feels that inside somewhere. They can't explain it, but they know it. And that the problem is, is they don't understand what money is. And if you don't understand what money is, it's just these pieces of paper we trade, right? You know, I, matter of fact, I went into a store in a small town in in, uh, in Eastern Washington yesterday, and um, I said to the woman, I was buying some some stuff, and I said to the woman, 
hey, uh, would you, I pulled out my credit card and then I said, hey, would you rather cash? Because, you know, she's, oh yeah, cash is always best. And I said, do you take Bitcoin? And the woman who owns the store looked at me and said, well, what's Bitcoin worth? It's at zero, right? And I looked at her and I pulled out a $20 bill that I was going to pay with. And I said, well, what's this worth? It's just a piece of paper that we ascribe a value to. And so it's people just don't understand what money is. Omar? Yeah, I, I think we're the, mis, we're the misunderstanding between people who say money, particularly Bitcoin, is time and energy, and people who don't understand that is this overly literal interpretation of it because because you can't put money into you can't plug your refrigerator into money you can plug into the wall and pay money to the electric company right money is a promise that that what you've got it, it's a it's an agreement that what what it that it took energy and time to generate it right someone had to work hard and create something of value to get money from somebody else in return and the problem with the sound money versus broken money is the keeping of that promise sound money did take time and energy to produce and bitcoin can only produce be produced with energy over time broken money can be produced instantly in any quantity without any energy it doesn't take time and money to produce so it breaks that promise and i think that's really the the fundamental problem that we have it's it's a broken promise over over and over again by the by the people who are entrusted to keep that promise and again bitcoin changes this to say well we're not trusting anybody to keep the promise we've got a mechanism by which this money can only be generated using time and energy and so having to trust someone to keep the promise when throughout all of history this promise has been broken over and over again and you can witness it happening practically every week in the news headlines the breakage of the promise with respect to the fiat money that that's where you can understand. You you could go so far as to say money is a promise of time and energy that other people will accept. If you offer your time and energy for it, you will find others to accept a similar quantity of time and energy for that for that money. That's how it's an attempt to store value, to store time and energy. But when it can be corrupted, that promise breaks, that expectation, that commitment gets broken. And that's, and I think that's what Peter's been trying to uh, say in, in his comments as well. So I, I think that's where the misunderstanding tends to come in from just an overly literal. You know, what's funny about that story that I was talking about in that shop, as soon as she said that, and then I pulled out the, the, another guy that was in the shop who was looked like, like he was in his twenties, he said, I'll take Bitcoin. So there's always a happy ending to these things. Some of these young dudes get it, man, for sure. Gabriel, jump in here. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, and, and it seems that, and somebody touched on it uh, before. I'm sorry I didn't get to it was, but there's there seems to be a loss of a, I guess, a correlation between energy output in the form of actual physical work and labor and then the value that is associated with that. Um, you know, I can tell you that my my grandmother who lived during the, the Great Depression, you know, they say, you know, people understanding the value 
of a hard day's work. And the, you know, the associated value with that was the energy that was that was put out to create value, not only for your families and yourselves, but also as a contributor to your society. And so, and that was done by the the output of energy. And so, of course, you know, the storage of that energy was very useful. And I just think there's there's a loss of a correlation between those things now. Um, in this in this day that we live in, because of the the intermediate intermediary nature of the Fed, the government, the dollar, and so forth, and so that is what we have assigned that value to. Is you know let's let's get those Burger King dollar guns out and shoot them everywhere because that stuff is extremely valuable now in the perception of uh, the minds of of just about everybody. Um, and it's and you're right. I mean, you know, you talk to you talk to one person, you say, hey, you know, do you take Bitcoin? No. What I mean, what is that? That's not worth anything. It's it's imaginary fake money. But this piece of paper is actually real. And it's it's just interesting to see the different perspectives of the different people that you that you speak with. But I will say there are some of the some of the um, some of our elders, um, I, will, I will call them. Um, some of them are seeing the value of it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think my, my situation was a little bit different. My father actually is the one who he orange pilled me and he's a, you know, salty old, you know, 82 year old guy. Um, and he's the one that turned me on to it. So it's, you know, you see it in all different shapes and sizes, different flavors. But I mean, to me, that's encouraging to know that we do have people, you know, it, Bitcoin is multi-generational. Um, you know, it doesn't belong to anybody, but anybody can get on the mission, which is the, to me, one of the coolest things about it. And, uh, and with that, I got to bounce. I got another, I got another call, but thanks for letting me share. Yep. See you, man. Thanks for coming up. Just one quick comment on that. Like I've heard this before too, the whole thing about, well, Bitcoin's not real, so it's not worth anything. This is to me, it's just ignorance. I mean, it, that's, uh, it's factually incorrect. It doesn't matter what a person's opinion is on it. It matters what the facts are. And it's just, that's someone who hasn't, they just don't know stuff. <laughs> that's like the, the market cap, so to speak of Bitcoin, the value of the Bitcoin multiplied by the price of Bitcoin or the, the number of units of Bitcoin multiplied by the price tells you what the current market value in United States dollars is. This is a fact. This is not an opinion. This is not a cult belief. This is not a theory. This is, this is the facts. And the facts are that it's close to $600 billion. So it's like, you don't need to tell me that Bitcoin's not real. And don't convince me of that. Convince the $600 billion worth of people who bought it that it's not worth anything. Yeah, it sounds like they're still convincing themselves. Brandon. Yeah, the, um, you know, not to beat a dead, dead horse and subject too much longer, but it's, it's like everyone said, not holding, not being able to hold opposing opinions in your head at the same time, just kind of this cognitive dissonance, which we all get into in a way because, you know, quite honestly, you know, 100 years ago, be, you know, beyond you, 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 you would read more, you know, like people were just generally smarter. They had maybe more of an EQ, not necessarily IQ. You could probably say IQ as well, but um, not, you know, we get in these specialized lanes the last hundred years, this industrial revolution where you're slotted in, kind of be a worker bee and, and everyone kind of thinks through their job and kind of votes and thinks through their job. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Stephen uh, Lubka on Friday had actually talked, we talked about this very briefly and he mentioned, we were talking about metrics that Stephen and Sam kind of look at for the economy and what they're looking at. Sam gave some, some really good metrics. Stephen actually gave a book. His answer was just a book, which I thought was really interesting, which was called super forecasters. And what he had found or the, in that book was that 
you know, people that were more generalist and they could kind of see the forest and the trees and SNC a hundred thousand foot view and weren't locked into like a certain lane were able to predict things easier and ever able to see what was coming down the road easier than someone like a uh, Colin Cowherd or people we've kind of talked about here, these stories Peter shared where people are so locked into their everyday life. They can't see what's coming around the corner. They can't see what's coming this weekend or a week from now. They're only thinking about today. You know, so I think that was it was a super forecasters. I just got it. Actually, I ordered it as soon as he had said that. And it kind of struck a chord with me because we're, we're so like locked into our own worlds and our own echo chambers, our own biases, that it's how can we break out of that and start understanding what's coming around that corner. And Bitcoin obviously helps us do that. But uh, I just wanted to share that as well, because I thought it was kind of a unique perspective on, on what we're talking about. I think it's I think it's deeper than that, uh, Brandon. You know, we've been. We've been searching for a long time uh, for where we can store value. And people understand, for instance, that that Amazon, when you invest in Amazon, that you're you're investing in a company that you're assuming that in the future that that company is going to be worth more than it is today. So that's a basic understanding that most people are able to grasp. It's the same with real estate. You're investing in your real estate today because it's going to be worth more in the future. And the problem is is that this that Bitcoin is is such a revolutionary technology that people cannot grasp it, and it's hard. Don't get me wrong, it's hard. It's it's still hard for me. I mean, I I still struggle with this idea of of you know energy being you know the, the the way Michael Saylor talks about it you know we're we're transporting energy over time over at light speed you know that kind of thing it's still kind of hard for me to conceptualize and and you know I'm 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 in this I'm in this up to the neck you know and 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 I believe in it but I think that's the problem the problem is is that this lie has been perpetrated for so long uh, you know, 50 years now we're we're going on. And and as of the the tax law changes in 1986, um, that is what accelerated this whole thing. Um, and, you know, people can only see what has been successful and what has been successful is the contillion effect. And so it's really hard when you have an entire generation that has been spoon fed this lie it is really hard to get away from that. The fiat disease. When people talk morning, about Mike. it being a, oh, good morning guys. When people talk about it being a, a legitimate addiction, it is a legitimate addiction. Like people need to get to the point of understanding that. No different than a heroin addict. All right, let's do some stats. The Bitcoin impenetrable force field level is at 375 exahash per second estimated. Current block height is 792,114. We have 333 days to go into the halving. Uh, let's see, we got 295,072 unconfirmed transactions and the fastest fee uh, right now is 52 sats per V-byte. It's uh, a lot of unconfirmed. Do, do you guys think that this it's is been because like this. they're... No, no, I know. But that's because of... Is it is it because a bunch of people are just like, I ain't paying that fee, I'm going to wait? I mean, I think there's some of that. 
I think there's still some of this long tail from from this garbage that you know we're seeing. But good news. I mean, on the other hand of that, mining revenue of the last 24 hours is almost 30 million dollars USD. So we're chewing through it. We're chewing through it. And did you see, or I guess anyone up here, I saw something yesterday uh, that it was like 80% of all the uh, ordinals or whatever it was, was from one address or one entity. Is there uh, any truth to that? Wow. Yeah. What I saw with I the, about that was a, uh, I mean, I know that was what was going around. With the, I saw a, a, a post from Mononaut that uh, he breaks it down and he shows that that one entity that people are pointing to is like a web service that they're uh, facilitating these uh, for users. So it looks like it's coming from like one entity, but it's an one entity that doesn't it's an own inscription all of those. service. Yeah. They, they, they basically, if you want to do an inscription, they charge you a trans uh, transaction fee and a little markup and they commit or they create the commit transaction using their key and they inscribe the data directly into an output controlled by the user's chosen address. Yeah, so there's a lot in there, but you know, one thing I realized too that like if y'all remember the NFT craze from I guess a couple summers ago or whatever, uh, it felt like there was a lot more momentum, at least for me on Twitter. Like you would see people bragging about the stupid ape that they got or whatever else it was. They were like changing their profile pics and it was like this whole thing. And like I've seen a lot of, you know, grifters trying to push their ordinals projects and whatever, but and I'm Peter sure Schiff there's a bunch of wash selling, trading and is stuff. selling art on ordinals now. Yeah, but it's well, like you're not seeing the other side. You're not seeing the other side of people who are like proudly displaying their purchases and like, you know, all of that. So I think it's I, I'm still waiting to see that part. Like right now we've seen a bunch maybe, of spaghetti thrown at the wall, but maybe you've is already it sticking? blocked it, man. Maybe you've already blocked it. Maybe. I don't usually block people unless they're just like blatantly putting that shit on my feed. No, I haven't but, seen it either, Ant. It's a great point. I, I don't think I've ever blocked anyone on Twitter before. I, I, I've not seen any of it at all. It's not like it was a year or two ago. It almost feels like a land grab a little bit, type of like kind of like the metaverse thing where people are like, I'm buying my digital real estate in Maui or whatever, like trying to get there first just to like have it and say like 10 years from now, like, they had it. But it's eventually, even if that was a thing, that runs out, right? Because it's no longer a, a, a novel thing. Like everyone's already done it at that point. So at some point it runs out, at least from an outsider perspective. That's what it seems like. By the way, that thing I was saying about the inscriptor service that came directly from Mononaut's thread. So when I when I hear Ant talking about people proudly displaying their NFTs, like what does that look like? You know, like baby, come over to my apartment. I'm gonna show you these screens with all my monkey JPEGs. Whoa. What the hell does that look like? <laughs> There's a date idea, huh? Pretty funny. People don't have the actual like Mona Lisa on their wall anymore. It's just a bunch of monitors like <laughs> scrolling through their JPEGs. I don't know, man. It's a new generation of people. You never know what's going to catch on. I'm almost done with my Peter Shift big arm holding the gold bar tattoo. I just got to fill in the gold a little bit. 
but I'm close, y'all. So, you know, I'm I'm almost there. Did you find a 13 year old who's been on Photoshop for two weeks to uh, touch it up and enhance it and make it actually look like real art? Because that's all that's what that looks like. Like I, I remember playing around with Photoshop for like four weeks too. It's it's amazing what you can do with this thing. Yeah, ironically. There's got to be some on that. The the artwork that Sailor puts out is legit. I, you know, I'm sure you guys pay attention, like really cool stuff. And then Shift throws up this, uh, <laughs> looks like I drew it, the arm holding a gold bar, next level. Someone has to tell Shift about mid-journey, Dolly. <laughs> <laughs> it is boomer art, though, isn't it? It's like the interpretation of a boomer. Hey, hey. I mean, I'm not a boomer, but I'm offended by that. A little then bit why are you offended? If you're not a boomer, well, don't I'm, be I'm nearly a boomer. I, I relate. You, you know, here's the thing. I, I'm, I'm in Gen that X. generation. I'm not a boomer. I'm a boomer. Hold on. Why you are we, why, why aren't we? Why aren't we complaining? How come the Gen Xers get a free pass? What the fuck? <laughs> no one cares about us, Peter. Yeah. Plus, we're Bitcoiners, and we don't really care that you're offended. Like you're. Can we? Free can we move on? I. Can we move on to the juicy, juicy, juicy news this morning that PulseX has crashed? That what? Richard Hart has <laughs> failed and trapped all of his followers. What do you mean okay. failed? It sounds like you succeeded. <laughs> Depends on your definition of success. <laughs> okay, explain the situation, Nate. Sorry, I'm trying to get a, a post that Corey put on this one. Did you well, rug us on, this, on the story about rugging? That's not rug. They're literally trapped because the protocol has crashed upon itself. Rug. Rug pool. Um, for those that don't know, Pulse Chain is basically, they took Ethereum's proof of work entire blockchain and they tried to liquidate the illiquid assets so that they can pull whatever was left out of the blockchain through you know, initiating suckers on the pulse chain and now the protocols crashed on top of all of the base investors don't worry it's just a temporary disruption of service we are working on it. Service will return normally soon. In in other terms, they were trying to make something from nothing while stealing from everyone who worked on it in the first place in order to get an airdrop, essentially. And those aren't based investors. Like is, is they're definitely not based. Yeah, and what's crazy with the whole hex thing. There's people that have locked up their wealth for like over a decade on the protocol because it's like the only way you cannot get diluted uh, because there's so much inflation in the protocol that basically the only way you aren't diluted is if you put a, like a really long stake. And so a lot of these people can't touch their money for like more than a decade. And so all they can do is just worship Richard Hart. Um, and that's pretty much what's turned, you know, the whole, the whole thing is basically revolved around Richard Hart like a cult. I, I think they're pretty deluded to begin with.
Is okay. that how so that was... Ponzi works? <laughs> I just, I just, it's like, who's the Prada sponsor for Richard Art, and who's the Gucci sponsor, and who's the the Birkebag whatever fucking sponsor? It's like they're all competing to see who can dress this guy worse. Anyway, I have had my fun. We can get back to real news. Well, it's kind of real news. I don't know. I don't have a lot of like predetermined topics to discuss today. So talk about whatever you like. I'm kind of afraid to say that, but let's go. Uh oh. Oh goody. Um, I was actually earlier on the on the subject of fiat versus Bitcoin. I was going to bring up um, the stock a little bit of Stockholm syndrome. I think that people are used to what they're used to and the program is is the program and you go along with it or you don't make it and the fear keeps you on the hamster wheel it keeps you in the race because what happens when you're, you're out of the race we see it in the image of the homeless destitute is that fear that scared shitless to stop for two seconds and take a breath is getting larger and more impactful on everybody's day-to-day mindset uh, you go to any of these big cities and it's staring you in the face. Yeah, it's like both ways, Nate, right? It's a uh, fear and greed, right? It's like the FOMO, fear of missing out. And it's also like fear of just losing everything. Did I lose the room? No, I think we're just kind of absorbing that. Um, just a moment of silence for fiat. It's, that's built into <laughs> the program, y'all. We do that every now and then. You can, there's, there's videos. You can just search like Philadelphia, Slum Street or whatever, or Zombie, I think is one of the key terms. Um, and there's a new one that just came out where it's just, it's appalling at the nature that our cities have developed into where we ignore this gargantuan problem that we know we know who's sending the fentanyl to Mexico. We know how the, the fentanyl is coming from Mexico into the United States and we do nothing. We blame other issues. We, we get distracted by nonsense social issues or it, Nate, we lost you, dude. DEA snatched him quick. No, you didn't. No, you God. didn't. I was just being quiet. Morning, BJ. What's up? What's up, brother? Good to, uh, I should say, it's good. good. It's unfortunate to be back uh, to Canada. And you're talking about the decline of cities. I live in Toronto, a city that was famous for its cleanliness and... Um, it's turned into an asshole with graffiti everywhere. We're about to elect a communist. So the downward slide continues. But I want to thank all of you for that amazing positive experience in Miami at the Bitcoin conference, irrespective of some of the noise and some of the ordinals and the wizards. Everything else was absolutely amazing. And I can't wait to see you guys all again in Nashville. And uh, tomorrow, uh, by the way, I don't know if you guys have said anything as friends on stage. 
Uh, we're going to try to take some of the heat off of you guys. I know uh, some some of us get annoyed when politics enters the Bitcoin space when we just want to talk about Bitcoin. So uh, Brandon and I tomorrow are going to uh, experiment and try to do the political Bitcoin hour tomorrow at 12.15 to try to, anybody wants to talk about politics and Bitcoin, then come join us and uh, leave these guys at Swan alone. They're doing amazing work. And uh, thank you for everything. You guys were all amazing. Morning, Gary. Morning. Just got on here just to listen. I had about 15 minutes extra, so I'm just sitting back in the background here. Great job your guys are doing here, though. Everybody's tired today. You're going to make me drag up some news, aren't you? Well, it's like you would think everybody would be excited that we're like back 28K, but everyone's just like, they probably didn't even notice it. <laughs> I had a quick item that uh, might be too technical. So Alex, if it's too technical, just uh, uh, extinguish it. But uh, was catching up on some of the, the video from uh, the conference and uh, splicing. I caught the, the presentation on splicing and the work that's being done there. And maybe some folks who are more technical can give the very, uh, like, uh, overview, uh, broken down overview of it for the listeners. But I thought brought up a lot of interesting things about privacy and, uh, you know, opportunities on Lightning to, to interact. And do you know anything about this? I know a little um you can what it what it really enables you to do is to uh rebalance your lightning channels your existing ones without using on-chain transactions uh it also enables the opening of new ones without on-chain on -chain transactions uh if i'm if i believe i'm correct there i think i am um moth if if you ever run into her you can ask her about this she's a fucking brilliant wizard on this subject and i would uh Highly recommend you give her a follow if you ever see it. Alex, I got a I got a question for you, man. Uh, I saw you're having Amboss on this week again to talk about lightning channels. Have you gone down the rabbit hole yet of setting up a node and trying to uh, to link and open uh, lightning channels yet? I, you sounded interested when they talked about it last time, and I'm still learning myself. I'm super interested in the technology and the further development of layer two applications on top of Bitcoin. Am I interested in like diving down that rabbit hole? I don't know. Not so much. I, I don't have time for it, being honest. Like with what I do at Swan and running this show, I just, I just don't have the bandwidth for it, man. But I'm definitely interested in the development of these things because this is the future. Hey, to that note, to that to that note, I would I would suggest everybody take a look at Blixt, B L I X T. Uh, it's a self custody Lightning wallet on your phone. It takes less than ten minutes to set up. All you're really waiting on is on chain transaction times, and you have a private Lightning node on your phone. It's not a routing node; it's a private Lightning node. 
so should we ever fall into a case where uh, we run into high fees and congestion on Baselayer, you can have your own node sending transactions without concern. And there's a, like, it's already defaulted to set up a channel with a, a, a host uh, that, that provides the liquidity. And you're, you're good to go as soon as that on-chain transaction settles. And then you just write down 36 words and you're good. I'm still here. Peter, go. Well, I was going to ask a question and then I thought better of it because I'll probably get yelled at in the back channel. So, <laughs> um, yell. And they I, don't yell. I, what are you talking about? I, I tested, I tested uh, my setup with Blix using Cash App to see if I could do it all of it off chain initially. So, like, if I if I don't want to use an exchange or if I don't have access to like actual liquidity. I mean, I need to use a little bit of uh, traditional rails. Cash App made it very easy to work with. So it, it, you, you will pay a little bit higher fees, but we're talking like one or $2 to set up. The, the guy who I think came up with splicing, if I'm not mistaken, that's Dusty, right? I don't know if you guys know him. That is exactly who, who uh, came up with it. Yeah, that was the that was the one talking about it that, that caught my attention. All right, let's do some quick announcements while we have a little bit of a, a pause here. You're listening to Cafe Bitcoin. Good morning and welcome. If you've never been here before, we do talk about Bitcoin. We do it Monday through Friday, even on holidays, many times. Uh, starting at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern, roll for two hours. It's a great place for your morning news, preferred hangout for some of the smartest minds in the industry. It's also a great way to learn about Bitcoin. We talk about a full range of, of topics that intersect with Bitcoin. If you can't catch a live show, it's a podcast on Fountain, Spotify, and Apple. We have Pacific Bitcoin coming up in October. Man, that is going to be good. I hope you guys are coming. There should be a link in the Nest promo, uh, promo code SWAN for a discount. If you're considering doing a VIP, shoot me a DM. Happy to chat with you directly about why that might be a good idea. And I have a special promo code for you if that is the case. We have other cool Bitcoin conferences coming up. We've got BitBlock Boom coming up. Gary is the, the gentleman that puts that together. He's up here on the stage today. And then we've got Unconfiscatable in December. Awesome stuff. Next year, we've got the having party in April in El Salvador. Thinking about doing that. Any of you guys going to go to that? I'm going. Maybe. And I've got my reservations at the hotel. And I've got my tickets. I'm going. It's going to be a blast. It's going to be awesome. I've never, I've never been to El Salvador, but I'm trying to talk my wife into it now. So I'd like to go, so possibly. But hold on. Sun, beach, free uh, drinks, uh, lots of Bitcoiners. Gary, what? I, I don't understand. What's the problem? My wife is so scared that uh, there are terrorists down there or something. 
I think I've almost got her convinced. But the sun, I'm just in Miami, going to Cancun in two weeks. I go to the sun a lot in the beach. So she's not really that hipped on the sun in the beach. She gets plenty of that. Bitcoiners, she is around Bitcoiners all the damn time. Now, for me, it's heaven. For her, it's just hanging around with me. Maybe you should give her a choice. She can either go with you to San Francisco or to El Salvador. Well, I told her just yesterday, I think El Salvador is a lot safer than Chicago, and she did agree. Oh, that's a fact. And so I'm, I'm working that way. And then she wanted to go to Port. Uh, actually, yesterday we were walking, and she said, should we go like to um, Oregon or Washington? We've never been to that part of the country. And I said, I think El Salvador is safer than that. And she goes, yeah, you might be right. So she's going our way. So I have a feeling I'll be there. Yeah, just show her some of the uh, some of the pictures of the uh, of Portland during uh, what was it twenty twenty one? Yeah, I said if we landed in a plane and you know at the airport and just took off from there and went somewhere else, we'd probably be okay. But we don't want to go there. We're going to go to Portland. Gary, you know I moved to Colombia in two thousand and three, which was you know shortly after the Cali cartel was uh, how should we say disbanded with bullets. And, you know, something I learned when I went down there is when you're, uh, you're a gringo and you look like me and they can tell you're, you know, from America or Canada just by looking at you, they're a lot more apprehensive about um, having any altercation with tourists because there the punishment is so much more severe. Um, it's a really weird thing there. And I, I would argue she hasn't looked at that aspect that you are. When you're a tourist in a country like El Salvador right now, you're what they're trying to rebuild the reputation of the country on and to. They're trying to reach foreigners. So um, you'll be a lot more, a lot safer in El Salvador than you'd ever be in any city in the United States just because of the, the repercussions. So uh, I don't know, man. Uh, just I keep plugging away at her. You're, she'll have the most amazing experience and after a week of being in El Salvador she'll tell you she wants to live there man well like I said she's going on the right track we're, we're getting her there that's the only hang up is I, I don't really like to I went to Miami without her but I really don't like to travel I don't like to be away from her too long after being married 40 years I'm just used to having her at my side so we'll see I think we'll make it but I can't guarantee it at this point but I sure want to go Gary oh, yeah ladies. Uh, all the ladies in the audience are like, aw. That's sweet. Hold on. All the guys in the audience are like, aw. Huge that was point. Genuinely sweet. That was genuinely sweet, Gary. Just an old fart. Not that sweet, really. She's in the room with you, isn't she? So, so Gary, just so you know, my, my parents who have who both passed away within four months of each other in 2019 were married for 67 years. And uh, I don't know if you and your wife are there yet, but God, what a great show that was. Oh, my goodness. Towards the in the after after the 50th year. I mean, it, it was like, oh, my God, it was like Ozzy and Harriet every day, all the time. It was one of the funniest fucking things. Ma, Ma, get dad. Julian, Julian. What? It's Peter. Who? Peter, what's the phone? I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't know about Ozzy and Harry, and I do know the show. I am old enough to know the show. That's the damn sure. 
You know, my, my, uh, it was kind of weird yesterday. I realized I graduated from high school 50 years ago. Now that's a weird feeling. That's when you start feeling, oh, when you realize you graduated high school 50 years ago. I don't want to think about it. Stop it has nothing it to do with Bitcoin. Stop it. It hurts. Hey, guys, I'm getting in the car. I got to run some errands. Like I said, I had about 10 minutes. I appreciate talking to you guys. And I hope to be there. That's the answer. I'm, I'm hoping. Actually, I was looking at it this morning. So hopefully I'll see everybody down there. But I'll see everybody before then today, I'm sure. Okay, fun fun games. Who can uh, who can identify the that car by the beeper, by the door beeper? You're going to put I'll some stuff on the line? I'll hang on to see if anyone gets it right. I'll listen while I, I'll drive. I, I didn't recognize it, but it was very distinct. I guess no one got it. It's a Mercedes. 2014, I think. So it's been a while, but hell, I don't have been 90,000 miles on it. I'll probably drive this until I die. And so I'm like more sad. So I'm not in the cars. Well, you're, you're, uh, you, you've got, you've got more to sell than I do, Gary, because, uh, my 2000 and my 2000 ML320 doesn't have a door beep. For real? My 97 Silverado has a door beep. My 2000 ML320 does not, but it only has 104,000 miles on it, so. Let's go. Drive them till they die. How many car nuts are there in the Bitcoin space, like myself and you guys, who once we, they discovered Bitcoin, they decided, yeah, I'm just going to look at cars. I'm not going to waste my sats on them. Because I know from, I used to spend so much money on cars and motorcycles. And now I'm like, eh, screw it. And I uh, wonder if I'm the only one. You're not alone. I, I invest, I don't invest in things anymore. I, I, I purchase Bitcoin and I use everything else for its utility. This is the way. I actually don't purchase things. I sell things now, but... I don't feel like old people do that anyway because they collected so much shit along their path of life. So I collect shit now and buy Bitcoin or sell shit and buy Bitcoin. You know, that's one of the only good things about divorce, Gary, is uh, it's cathartic how much you get to get rid of. And I'm not talking about the spouse. I'm talking about the material stuff. Same thing applies to moving because you don't want to move all that shit. But when you're in one place... For 30 years or 40 years, you collect a lot of stuff that you would have thrown away if you'd ever moved. T. Bain, good morning. What's up, man? Hey, how are y'all doing? Freaking awesome. I don't know about everybody else, but I'm doing pretty great. What's going on in your world, Bane? What's new? What's on your radar? Uh, not much. Um, if anybody's in the Denver, Mile High City area uh, this evening 
in Boulder, I'm doing a lecture on uh, energy Bitcoin mining and uh, the electric grid kind of um, triple topic. I'm hoping to, um, you know, correct some of the narrative and uh, get good data and facts out there for, for some locals to digest. So um, if anybody's around, it's probably a long shot. I don't think it's going to be live streamed, but uh, it'd be cool to uh, have some plebs out there. I think we've got a good a good group already going, but um, just throwing that out there. Awesome. Should they DM you or what? Do you have a tweet? Yeah, there's a tweet um, that specifies time and location. It's at this co space called kiln tonight at 5 30 so anybody's around would love for you know, nice. to be there. would you mind giving us a quick five minute kind of summary of your topics and whatnot i love that i love this discussion about energy and mining and bitcoin i put the uh tweet for you up yeah there. i'm gonna start out i'm um, just touching the basics Sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you. No, Bane's all cut out. He's got a bad connection. But the tweet is in the nest for anybody that is interested. Can you hear me now? <laughs> yep. Okay, cool. So, um, start out with, like, uh, basics. Go over just, like, uh, mining mechanics and, you know, some of the incentives involved and, and uh, uh, reasonings around it um then i'm going to go over um kind of the topic of you know bitcoin as this energy money and and how they're intrinsically connected and how like uh you know uh, old school classical thinkers over the past hundred years have theorized that energy money would be um you know maybe the most pr pristine money um in part because of the laws of thermodynamics so henry ford in 1921 put forward like this this proposed energy currency system um, um, Bunkminster Fuller in 1981 was discussing energy currency. Uh, Nikola Tesla in 1900 had some really relevant quotes around uh, energy and money. Um, and then uh, Hayek in 1984 also kind of uh, theorized energy money. So they talk about how they're uh, um, intrinsically related and how that's a, a positive thing and instead of a negative that it can, kind of gets framed as. Um, Going to talk about how you can't bail out the laws of physics there's not overdraft protection on the laws of thermodynamics. There's there's no need to fractionally reserve the law of conservation of energy. Um, there's no deposit insurance or requirement for the jewel or the watt. Um, you cannot rehypothecate time and energy, um, and it's impossible to debase the electron. So um, I'm going to also try to touch on like energy and prosperity. How you know the more a civilization uses energy per capita, the more um, prosperous um that that energy uh that energy consumption leads to directly to human prosperity and so energy abundance is, is prosperity and, and energy scarcity is is poverty um i'm gonna try to talk about like energy density how civilization is trending towards um more dense forms of 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 energy resources um and how the monetary density is is also trending towards more dense you know shells um coins you know precious metals and and now uh you know possibly bitcoin um i'm also going to talk a lot about um how efficient the network is not only in terms of like jewels per terahash and how that's been 
trending exponentially lower, but also in in um, this this like monetary efficiency, so that the value tran- transacted, you know, um, per unit of energy is is actually much higher on Bitcoin than alternative networks. So this this like value density is is increasing on Bitcoin, so that more you know denominated in dollars. It's it's around three to four hundred dollars are are being transferred per um, kilowatt hour, and a kilowatt hour is worth like ten to fifteen cents. So it's it's very economical usage of energy. Um, I'm going to talk about the electric grid and how um, you know how how uh, how the we're trending towards these variable supply resources and how that's leading to market failures across the Midwest with negative and zero price intervals um, for for 20 to 25 percent of the year and how bitcoin might be able to solve this in a unique you know demand responsive way because most loads are inflexible in in times of of uh, energy scarcity you know i think i've said this here a couple times but you can't shut off a hospital you can't shut off the air conditioning in a school just because the prices of of power is expensive Uh, but but Bitcoin is something that can has this unique ability to be a flexible demand that can turn off and on um, with a switch. So as our grid attempts to shift to more variable generation sources, um, variable non-critical demand such as Bitcoin that can spool up and down quickly um, appears to be a perfect fit. Um, I'm going to show examples on Texas and the ERCOT interconnection of where you know the when the price uh, fluctuates um, and spikes on their like wholesale power market um, that Bitcoin miners respond to that and kind of free up um, excess resources uh, for those that, that are, that are needing it. And then how Bitcoin just increases the utilization of the grid and helps monetize these sunk costs and investments so that every, every entity that interacts with the electric grid would, would benefit from this, um, you know, from, from this higher system load factor that Bitcoin helps provide. Um, also going to talk about stranded energy quite a bit. I think the 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 buzzword or the the you know the the one that gets talked about a lot is methane and flared gas, um, but I think that's typically from from the you know the well the pr- the production side of things the, the upstream like uh, but but I think there's also like there's a couple companies that are utilizing wasted landfill methane so just emissions from trash decaying and and they're using to mine bitcoin um there's this fellow using used cooking oil which i thought that was brilliant he's putting cooking oil through a generator and and producing obviously hydropower is pretty prevalent in iceland canada and china and people are using that excess to, to mine bitcoin there's the pig waste fellow the fellow that's turning uh pig pig manure um they're, they're called bio mining they're turning they're turning uh shit into coin which i think <laughs> It's pretty great. That's Ricardo, um, isn't it? There's the there's also the cow. Yeah, I think so. There's there's the cow mining folks that are doing the same thing with cow manure. Obviously, flare gas we touched on. Um, there's the product recovery technology incorporated um, that's doing waste tires. They're turning. They're You're turning, cutting out pretty bad now. Um, waste tires into energy. Oh shoot! And then obviously curtailed renewable energy, which I think is is also important. So. Ivan, do you do you think this is going to be recorded? And if so, could we get a link? And then also, if you've got a deck, I'd love to see that. That sounds pretty cool. And then one last comment on the um, yeah. 
the turning the manure into energy. It's basically the the polar opposite of shit coins, right? They take your money and they give you poop. And these guys are taking poop and they're turning it into energy and, and getting Bitcoin. Yeah, it's, that's brilliant. Uh, that's exactly right. No, I, I don't think it's going to be recorded, but I will have the slide deck. And I'm looking forward to possibly giving this presentation at multiple places. So um, just hoping to dispel the, the narrative. The last thing I'm going to talk about is that I'm going to look at the different ways that the network energy consumption is estimated. And I think a lot of the widely sourced and widely cited um, you know, energy consumption estimations are have really poor methodology and bad assumptions and overestimate the consumption of the network. I think it's much less than um, than some of these sources cite. So I'm just going to talk about a little bit of that and compare it to some alternatives. And yeah, that's, that's about it. You know, hey, hey, Bitcoin babe. could lead us. Yeah. Are Are you going to try and and also with the, with the energy consumption? Are you going to try and um, calculate how much of that energy consumption comes from what would be wasted energy or stranded energy so that to take that out of the equation? Um, I, I don't have a good estimation for, for how much of it's wasted or stranded, but there is. Bain's completely cutting out for me. Is it just me? I have a slide that cites the Bitcoin Council carbon-free power sources. Sorry, fellas. I got some, some poor internet. All good, homie. Look forward to uh, seeing that if you, if you send it to me. Yeah, I, I could actually care less about what comes from carbon-free sources. I'm more interested in knowing how much comes from sources that would otherwise be wasted, because that, I think, is really critical for people to understand that that a bunch of this energy that's being consumed is just being wasted. Like, for instance, with, national, with uh, natural gas flares or methane flares. It's just good for the human race, power generation, power distribution. It's just good for people. I'm just so tired. You know, I was talking to a guy the other day about, and he was like, well, well, Bitcoin miners are just so inefficient. And I looked at him, I said, do you have a hairdryer in your house? He was like, yeah. Well, that's not inefficient, is it? Well, I got to dry my, I mean, you know, it's just, it's just crazy. People just, ah, it drives me nuts. It is. Those, oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say, did y'all, those of you who are in Miami, did y'all see those trees on Collins wrapped in Christmas lights? It's not December. Hold on. That's necessary. We have to have that kind of stuff. Otherwise, our lives will just will not be as good as we is if we don't. We have to have that. Well, it was really pretty. I don't really care what they do with the energy. I just think it's funny. And what about all these stupid faucets? You go to the washroom in an airport, you can't turn it in, turn it on. Everything's electronic. We got a choice. We got to choose. Does everything need to be electrical, like the toilet, or do we have an energy crisis? Like, which one is it? Pick one. It's so frustrating. I, I don't okay, know, but so I ran into I ran into the, uh, the 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 hand dryers that you stick your hand down into and it and you pull it up and it's like a wall of drying air for the first time. And I, I was just like. 
I was like a kid in a candy store. I had to keep sticking my hand in and doing it because it was so cool. So the question becomes, you know, the folks that are putting forth these narratives that energy usage is bad, not really logical. It has everything to do with, well, if we can control what you use energy for, then we can control you. This is a lizard person thing, in my opinion. 100%. And it's just the very fact, I mean, just energy. Maybe we need hand dryers that are both Bitcoin miners and hand dryers. Can we do that? But that's so inefficient. We can't do that. I reckon within, what do you guys think, five years? I suspect we're going to see appliances that are powered by Bitcoin miners, whether it's your water heater in your home or your hot tub, at, your pool. At, at the very the, least, they're going to be supported to your point. Cause like they'll have a, they'll have like a, it'll be like the, uh, all the crazy plebs out there that are using a couple Bitcoin miners to heat up the water for their water heater and to the point of where the water heater isn't needed until it's an emergency where like you turn the water heater from like a, a main source utility to a peaker plant almost is the way the, the, that kind of function is working. So I, yeah, I don't think that there's any reason not to believe that those kinds of relationships in other electronic appliances won't develop over the next couple of years. Well, remember they were going to make everything a smartphone. What did they start with? They started with refrigerators. So how far away from the Bitcoin miner refrigerator? Anyways, excuse me as I climb into my 13 liter diesel engine truck how much I really care about this bullshit, to be honest. Yeah, but there's a big difference in in uh, incentives, though. Like, I don't really give a crap about whether my refrigerator can reorder my milk when I'm out of milk. But if I can get no KYC Bitcoin and heat my water heater, I might be interested in doing... Exactly. That's exactly my point, yeah, 100%. So what it'll come down to, what'll drive that is going to be how many Bitcoiners will pay for it. I mean, if there's a market, somebody's going to build it. I can do the pitch deck. Some of us want to get together and get ready for this. People like to eat. <laughs> I mean, we all see that. You know, you know I what's interesting? Like go, go ahead, Mike. Uh, I, was just, I was just agreeing with BJ's and I definitely like to eat. <laughs> go ahead, Peter. Well, I was just going to say, you know, it's interesting, um, you know, electricity kind of comes about in the in the early 1900s where, you know, it's becoming a, a, a mass used or starting to be a, 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 an energy source that's being used. And it takes a hundred over a hundred years to go from that to what, what I'm holding in my hand, the smartphone. So Bitcoin has been around for 14 years now. I'm wondering, you know. What's it going to look like in in another in another uh, eighty six years? What what innovations are going to come about because of this this uh, this revolutionary technology? I want to welcome up TJM. Twitter profile says TradFi turned to Bitcoin. Have the letters? None of them apply here. <laughs> morning man morning thanks guys and 
VJ met you down in Miami. So nice to talk everyone. Nice to see you here, but just wanted to share. I'm actually working with a company now that's doing uh, like heating your hot water tank, doing all that using an immersion mining solution. So st uh, we're still working on uh, some of the IP stuff around it, but we have a, a minimum viable product that's working in our engineer's garage right now. And there's also some guys out of France uh, doing this as well. So there's, it's definitely coming. There's a couple companies in the space. Jewelport's the one I'm working with. Hestia's the guys over in France, but there's a few around. You know what what's, kind really of gonna be, what's really going to be crazy is when people realize that they get to be in control of their own money to actually control it and they get to they get to uh heat their water while they're mining it. it it's just it's going to be such a huge thing it's going to be this huge revelation for people and i can't wait for the day when i can look at my friend who said that a bitcoin mining is so inefficient because he's going to have a bitcoin miner in his house eventually <laughs> Uh, that's the angle is people are heating their homes anyway if you got your in-floor heating you got all that your your hot water like requirements are you know you're paying for it anyway you might as well mine bitcoin with it so some people you know will put it in the background they won't even know they're doing it bitcoin hurler good morning Yeah, so does it become like a utility? Does, does it become like a utility where, where you are able to um, opt into uh, managing it yourself or having somebody else manage it for you and then you just get the benefit of the, of the cheaper heat? I don't think it's going to work like that, Peter, because like the people who are going to buy it are Bitcoiners. These people are going to want to set it up. I think. Hey guys, if any of this is for me, I've seen that connection issue, so I'm going to drop off. But uh, yeah, the idea would be, I mean, initially it'll be for Bitcoiners. The idea is to kind of put it in the background enough that you can choose to receive dollars if you want. And it's just a way to receive money for paying for the heating you were getting anyway. So the Bitcoin will be kind of obfuscated into the background if people, you know, aren't looking for that right now. And it's kind of a backdoor orange pill. All right. I tried to get a better connection. Can you guys hear me better? Yeah, you sound pretty good. Okay, so just to finish off, like yeah, the, the Bitcoin, like the re the reusage of the heat is such a such a huge use case. There's there's a couple companies that are doing it to heat their greenhouses, and the like uh, pleb Bitcoin miner space heater has actually taken off quite a bit lately. Is it me? Fruits and vegetables, different crops like corn. It, there's Bitcoin 
corn dryers and, and I think it's, it's important. Um, then the one last thing I'm actually bringing a handheld, uh, like little Bitcoin hasher, it's called a nerd miner and I got it set up so that it runs off a little battery pack. It's, it's, it, it'll fit in your hand. It, the nerd miner version two or something. I want a it, picture. This it, sounds great. It, it hashes, it hashes at like 20 kilohash. So I think it's just a little CPU on this old, like, you know, kind of junky, junky board, but, uh, it's not an ASIC, but it's doing 20, 20 kilohashes per second. And it's running off of like a couple Watts. It's not, it's not very energy intensive, but, uh, it'll fit on your hand. It'll be in, and it's in this little 3d printed case. And I thought it would be perfect because it's running off a little battery. People can like literally hold it in their hand and I have it hitting my phone's hotspot and it's solo mining 20, 20 kilohashes a second. So, um, I think that's going to be uh, pretty, pretty that's sweet. Awesome. And, um, just kind of show that these, these things aren't scary. They're, they're just computers and they're not wasting energy. They're, they're using it for a practical purpose. So, um, yeah, stoked about it. Thank, thanks for, thanks for the time. Bane, you should get together with some like marketing folks and see if you can make that a thing. Maybe it'll be like, you know, this next generation of kids are growing up with Bitcoin. They 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 don't know a world where Bitcoin didn't exist. So maybe that'll turn into a thing where you have like little miners that are tiny little miners and it becomes like poke. Hello, Shamri. What's up, man? Alex. How's it going? Is, uh... Thanks for having going good man alex our our host our usual host is having uh some some issues with his phone so you know technology stuff happens no problem and i see yusuf might be having trouble he's out there but hopefully he'll be joining up on the stage too cool cool yeah i see him requesting right now just bringing him on up so thank you guys for joining man and, and thank you guys for uh for being at pacific bitcoin last year really appreciate you guys uh, we appreciate it. It was, a great, it was a great time. It's a fun one for us to go to. We're based in San Diego, so nice. Uh, much easier than getting to Miami. Oh, nice. You know what's funny is I've been sending uh, my friends uh, some of your, like, I was telling them that you're the guest today, and a lot of them have replied, oh, that's great. I bought uh, their books for my kids. That's what everybody's replying, and it's Perfect. pretty good hearing about it. I don't have <laughs> kids myself, so I haven't uh, read the books, but I'm really excited for us to talk about it. Awesome. Yusuf, welcome. What's up, man? Hey, good morning. Good afternoon for everyone that's listening around the world. Thank you so much uh, for having me uh, and Scott join you all today to talk about our project. So very much looking forward to chatting with you all uh, and sharing uh, our story. Right on. Yeah, we're excited to hear about it. I know um, Alex is really excited. He's going to try to rejoin, so... He can kind of lead the the convo, but uh, before we get started, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, Scott, is that you behind the uh, the Shamri account? That is. So it's myself and my wife who, uh, who run Shamri and our daughter, Charlotte. So if you were in Miami, um, you came by our booth, you might have met her as well. Um, but those two stay, stay off of the social media side of things. So interacting on the, uh, the Shamri accounts, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, wherever, is myself, um, but is the, uh, the brainchild behind the three of us. Would you like to give me kind of a little background behind where it all came from? Yeah, absolutely. I would love to hear, you know, your Bitcoin story and kind of what led you to to thinking of this because it's really, you know, the the actual, yeah, just, just let's hear about it. Yeah. So quickly, uh, I became interested in Bitcoin during the, the 2017, 2018 uh, bull run, which 
doesn't sound like it was so long ago, but I guess it was at this point. And um, during that same time, uh, my wife and I had recently been married. We're starting to think about, you know, starting a family for ourselves. And as I started learning more about Bitcoin, realized, you know, there really wasn't much of anything out there to start making Bitcoin education fun and educational for all ages. Um, really, the only thing you could find was the Bitcoin Rabbi book, which is an awesome book that um, he had put out around that same time. And so given the fact that we were expecting a, a child down the line, we said, okay, let, let's create something ourselves." Um, and our first product was our card game. So that was kind of our, our flagship product that goes by the name Xiaomi. Um, the product itself uh, teaches the basics of Bitcoin mining, but you need to know zero about Bitcoin or mining going into it to play. It's really a memory-based game. And since launching that, that game, we've gone through and created um, two books, um, as well as the, uh, the plush toy that we'll talk about with Yusuf today, along with some um, other projects. And everything we do is centered around these Bitcoin monster characters um, that are the center stone between the, the books, the games, the plush toy that really kind of help engage, um, brighten up um, and make Bitcoin education fun for everybody. So that's a, a really short version of the story, um, along with the fact that both the game and books are STEM authenticated which stands for science, technology, engineering, and math. So for those that might be in the, the traditional or non-traditional education space, uh, but building curriculum around these products is something that can be easily done as well. That's awesome. Did you have a previous background in education and like making games, or did you just fall in love with Bitcoin and felt like this is something that your kids needed and just kind of got after it? A little of both. So uh, prior to this, uh, my, my Bitcoin story kind of started um, right after college. I was actually a uh, CPA and the audit side of things at a public accounting firm for three years. So my brain was kind of already accustomed to kind of the, the factors around validation, um, scarcity, and that sort of stuff just from my day-to-day -day job. But after that, I actually transitioned and I worked for 13 years in the education technology space at a local startup here in San Diego, um, along with the fact that many members of my extended family um, are in the education system. So just a mixture of, of that background uh, brought the fact that being able to create these sort of things to life, along with the fact that my wife um, and the other half of Shamari, um, she does her full-time job and she's a, um, a counselor for disabled high school children um, who are transitioning uh, from high school to whatever the next step is, whether that's work or cert certification or college. Um, so we both kind of have a mixture of education in ourselves and um, our daughter is now almost four um, and we'll be homeschooling her um, uh, as she continues to grow. So we do have that in our blood. Yeah, I know a lot of um, Bitcoin parents are, are thinking about the homeschooling route. I know we had uh, Daniel Prince on, who is um, yeah. a big advocate for that. And something that I've noticed uh, just by booking uh, Cafe Bitcoin is just how many um, children education Bitcoin focused uh, content is coming out of the works. I mean, you guys have what you're doing is really exciting. And then we have like the kid like Gen Z for B for BTC. Yeah. And then um, the Tuttle Twins, which is a TV show that focuses on Bitcoin education. So it's really good to see um, kind of everybody getting on the mission. Um, Yusuf, yeah, been, oh, what's up, man? I'll just add, we've, over the past 12 months, really since, um, I'd say, Miami 2022, um, we've in particular noticed a, a nice uptick in the different people out there that are, like you said, building additional products for, make, for making it easy and fun for kids to learn about Bitcoin. So it's awesome to see. We always love working together and exploring ways to, to support each other. So. Um, it's a beautiful thing. When I was going to ask you about the creation of the monster, but I know you referenced Yusuf uh, when you were saying that. Did, so Yusuf, did you have uh, any creation, like any um, 
handling with the creation of the monster because like it's an interesting uh looking thing to promote bitcoin so it's kind of like how did you guys come up with that like it looks like it's from monsters inc <laughs> i wish i can say that i i had something to do with the monster but the monster is actually a character in scott's book so you know scott is the one who deserves credit there but i would say to bring the monster to life was certainly a collaborative effort not just by myself or or scott but you know the creative team as well and you know there's there's multiple iterations there going back and forth um, but you know, I just want to bring perspective and context for folks that are listening that, you know, these, you know, plushies, uh, the chamois that we call them, um, when, when folks want to purchase one, they have the option to be able to donate it. And so what we did earlier uh, this month, uh, when I traveled to Africa, I went to multiple locations and multiple schools and actually delivered these chamois to the students themselves. And just to, you know, to give some context, you know, some of these students have never seen a, a plush animal or plush toy in their lives, let alone to be able to see one with such bright and vibrant colors, um, one that is smiling back at them, you know, a monster. What is a monster? We obviously know as we're growing up as kids through storytelling and movies and TV shows, uh, but these children, you know, some of them don't even have access to, to electricity, let alone television screens or computers, Right. So there's a there's a level of of, of uh, education just in you know um, kind of learning about what these monsters are, what they represent, um, and to kind of the way that Scott, Mallory, and, and Charlotte have have been able to kind of incorporate all this in a very fun way, creative way, that makes my job easier as as um, an implementer and facilitator for these educational institutions, so to speak. Um, to bring something to these young children and even their parents because everyone is just extremely curious about what, what the heck's going on, right? Um, we started initially last year bringing the books, Goodnight Bitcoin, and then we brought the second version of it uh, to them this past year. And to have the physical uh, stuffed animals and plushies uh, was uh, to say that it was a, a huge success would be an understatement. We gave it to some of the children Unfortunately, you know, we have hundreds of kids. Thankfully, we have 100 kids, but we weren't able to, you know, give each one of them um, a chamois. So we had to keep it at the school. But once, you know, they came out of the car and we delivered them, you know, there's some of the students were not giving it up. And it was extremely precious to be able to see. I do want to give, um, and that is a very heartwarming story. I think it's uh, it's really powerful with you, what you guys are doing. But I wanted to give a moment to see if we get Alex back. Alex, do we got you on the? Yeah, I think so. Audio you guys leaves? hear me okay? Sound great. Did awesome. you were you able to catch some of the uh, the conversation that we've been having? I don't know. If, uh, I was just asking him about the creation of the monster, and I thought um, kind of diving into what Yusuf's doing with the uh, bill with Bitcoin would be kind of an interesting uh, way to go. Yeah, for sure. Man, I I did hear it, and that's fantastic. I thought that was great. The thing about some kids have never seen a plush toy. I mean, it's, it's amazing the perspective there. Appreciate what you guys are doing. Yeah, uh, I'll just add on while we aren't there. You know, myself and Mallory and Charlotte weren't able to be there for this go around to to hand deliver them like Yusuf did. We we look forward to being able to do that one day and just being able to see. Um, the pictures and the videos that that Yusuf was able to share, um, they're on our, our Twitter timeline and everything like that. But the smiling faces kind of, you know, they do the number to be able to to make your day a better one um, going forward, no matter uh, where you are. 
Yeah, I, I like the website. I like what y'all are doing. I'm going to, I haven't seen them in real life, but I'm going to order the bundle so I can have my kids play with the, the game. Yeah, and, and you've got the, the Sats ledger and everything that comes with it. So, and I guess there's two books in there. So looking forward to that. We look forward to sending it your way. Scott, I don't want to make you give many spoilers out, but I see this book is called If You Give a Monster a Bitcoin. What what happens <laughs> if you give a monster a Bitcoin? Uh, the opposite of what if you give a monster an ether. Uh, no, so the premise of the, the two books, I'll kind of go back and forth. So Goodnight Bitcoin really starts with the origin story of Bitcoin. It talks about um, Satoshi and House, so a purple monster character um, that is the original Xiaomi that, um, that we're delivering to the kids is known as Satoshi. Um, and he's the character that was um, created in Goodnight Bitcoin. Um, and he has his friend Hal, which is the other monster. They're the only two monsters that we've named so far. Um, and so in Goodnight Bitcoin, um, you learn about the creation of Bitcoin, how that came about, um, two friends coming together to create a new form of money that people thought would be impossible. So that's the premise of book one. And then the premise of book two, um, if you give a monster a Bitcoin, is really talking more about what happens when that happens. And it really talks about the good that Bitcoin can do in the world uh, through various avenues. And both of these, you know, they're board books. So if you have, if you have kids, you're very familiar with that style of books. So they're very hardy, um, can withstand a lot of um, throwing and dropping and biting from, from the youngsters in your life. Um, and they're both written in a, a short rhyming style um, to make it fun. And the, the other nice thing that we've literally witnessed firsthand is while they are kids' books, Many times, you know, the kids aren't reading yet when they're they're reading these books. So the adults in there um, that are around that kid are are being forced, for lack of better words, to, to read it to them. And maybe sometimes an aunt and an uncle or a grandparent is over, um, and they're not Bitcoiners yet, but they're reading this book. And it does help actually stimulate questions from the adults as well. Um, for example, my wife my wife loves telling the story of one night. Um, early on when we had just written Goodnight Bitcoin, uh, we were out and her mother was watching Charlotte for us and had gone through the midnight routine and Charlotte had picked out Goodnight Bitcoin to read. And when we got back that night, um, Shelly, my wife's uh, mom, said to us, hey, you know, Charlotte wanted me to read her Goodnight Bitcoin. And where did you guys come up with the name Satoshi? And, you know, in her mind, it was something we had just made up for the book. But it was kind of that gateway question to be able to just answer that simple question of, OK, you know, Satoshi was actually the this um, anonymous name that uh, created Bitcoin and kind of just laid that groundwork to make it easier for those uh, sorts of questions to happen from kids or adults because um, you know everybody's got to start somewhere. I think it's brilliant. It actually makes me laugh thinking about it. <laughs> At this idea that the, that the kids like I want to I want to I want you to read this book to me and then it's it's orange pilling the adults. It's funny. Yep. The same thing, uh, just to give another story perspective with the game. Um, so like I said, the game is a memory-based game and it teaches about Bitcoin mining. Um, it's good. The game kind of is good for ages four and five on up through adults. We do have drinking game instructions that are on the website. So if you want to really spice it up. But early on uh, when we released it, so going back two, three years now, uh, we heard a story from a, a family that was playing. It was a uh, father um, and mother and their two children along with the grandfather. And the grandfather knew nothing about Bitcoin mining going into it, but he enjoyed playing uh, with his kids and grandkids so much that what we were told is within two weeks um, after playing the game, he had gone out and bought his own miner and started learning about Bitcoin mining just from the interest gained from, from playing the game with his grandkids. Um, so, you know, when we talk about kind of being in person at events in Miami or Pacific Bitcoin or just interacting on Twitter and hearing these sorts of things, it's... It's uh, not only heartwarming, but harming, but it helps us kind of be motivated to keep creating things like this. That's really cool. So 
uh, Jacob is hitting me with some stats here. So apparently there's been 184 chamois purchased. 72 chamois have been gifted to kids in Africa. Either raising $1,845 for a water well. You guys want to talk more about that? Like, what are you trying to hit? What are you trying to do there? And how can we raise awareness for this and help you guys out? Totally. I can kick it off and then hand it over to Yusuf. So the stats that you read there are uh, are from last week or I guess two weeks ago in Miami. So yeah, we were able to send 184 chamois out into the world, into their new homes. Um, each one comes with a, an adoption certificate as well, uh, marking off the block the, uh, the chamois was created, as well as the block it was adopted that the kids can fill out. Um, beyond that, 72 of those are actually being gifted um, to kids in Africa. So during Yusuf's next trip, which I believe is in August, he can correct me if I'm wrong there when he comes on, um, he'll be delivering a bunch more chamois to the kids down there, which is amazing to see. And, and from Bitcoin Miami, we raised just shy of two grand um, to put towards the water ball, which brings us um, over the two months. So we just started this project uh, almost exactly two months ago. Uh, we've put a hundred, excuse me, 275 chamois out into the world, raising um, just over $2,300 with a goal of raising 7,000. So when we hit that 7,000 mark, uh, we'll be able to, to start work on that first well. And the idea here is once that first well gets built, these chamois aren't stopping. Uh, we will keep, we'll find that next project to start funding um, with, with Yusuf and the team through Africa. And then the idea being, we want this to be a longevity project where this specific chamois um, is the Africa thing one to be able to help support the work that Bitcoin is doing specifically in Africa going forward. But as Yusuf can speak to, they're doing work around the world. So what ideally we'll do is keep creating these chamois for different regions of the world so that people can then come support different projects based on the area that they're they're most interested in and be able to keep growing from there. And I'll hand it over to Yusuf uh, to add on anything. Yeah, Scott, I think you said it beautifully. Um, I'm, I'm literally at home right now looking at a box of chamois that Scott sent to me from Miami. Uh, that I'll be taking on my next trip to Africa. And as I mentioned previously, to be able to deliver these directly to the children of our schools um, is uh, an extremely uh, motivating and captivating moment uh, for me, especially as well as the people in the community. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a gesture. Uh, it's a physical, tangible gesture of the generosity of Bitcoiners around the world, not only to be able to provide, you know, a special moment for a young child, but also with, uh, you know, the essence of Bitcoin education and financial literacy around all of this. Like I, that, that cannot be uh, missed upon, right? Uh, and what Scott referenced to in regards to the water well project. So the $7,000 goal that we have to build a well in Africa is for a brand new location, a brand new country. But what I was able to do while I was on the ground there, I visited multiple countries, including Ghana, Rwanda, and Kenya. Um, if, in fact, we're able to raise this $7,000, we would be able to build not just one, but two water well projects in those prospective places. If we are able to be on track to raise that, the total amount, then we can go to a brand new location, a brand new country and build. Um, and the overall goal for this is to create a collection, a series of different characters from the book series, um, and that highlights a different continent that we can provide uh, these chamois for. So the next one would be Latin America, uh, then uh, most likely Asia. Uh, we'll have to have one, obviously, for El Salvador specifically, 
for obvious reasons. We, we do a ton of work there as well. But this is all in part to kind of showcase that, you know, Bitcoin is universal. It's obviously borderless. It doesn't matter what flag you, you live under. Um, and it doesn't matter who you are. Bitcoin can affect you in a positive way. And this is our way. This is our use case when it comes to philanthropy, not charity work, because a lot of folks kind of associate the two. And there's a negative connotation when it comes to charity. And I, and I think of charity as fiat-based, and I look at philanthropy as Bitcoin-based. Um, it, it's much more long-term. Um, our initial mission and vision is to create independent communities uh, in, in which we work in. Um, and so this is just one step towards that level of independence. Access to clean water is a huge, huge issue that billions of people around the world are dealing with, let alone electricity, internet connectivity, and access to the financial global system. Right. So we are starting at the base layer, at the fundamental layer, of these communities, um, and above all else, it, it begins and ends with trust. And so a lot of our work that we do does not deal with SATs uh, or, or any BTC. It deals with sweat equity and a lot of time that we're spending with these people. That's what makes us different than any other organization I personally feel. Um, and so, you know, Bitcoin's ethos to me, that intrinsic value that it creates or that it possesses, I should say, is that peer-to-peer -peer interaction with individuals and communities around the world. And that's really how I see this work happening. I mean, think about it. Scott is, lives in San Diego. I'm from Los Angeles originally. I'm a Dodger fan. He's a Padre fan. And Bitcoin brought us together, right? Um, and I say that facetiously in, 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 in a jovial manner, obviously. But, you know, it, there's truth to it that regardless of where you come from, what your background is, it doesn't matter. We all have the same mission when it comes to when it comes to Bitcoin. And this project here, if anyone wants to do something today or tomorrow, all they have to do is raise awareness for this project because we want you all to stay connected with us to kind of join us on the journey of where this is going to go. Last week or two weeks ago in Miami, we had an unbelievable experience being able to talk to people and and above all else, me, Scott, or even Mallory, Charlotte, she was the star of the show. So I really want to give a lot of kudos um, and acknowledgement for Charlotte. She stuck it out every single day, making bracelets, hustling, you know, and slanging these chamois because she knows that it's going to get to somebody who looks just like her or is of her age um, that will, will definitely benefit from it. And, um, and and be able to hopefully uh, enjoy it as well. Anything else to add? Yeah, I was just saying, it's definitely a special experience for, for Mallory and I to have our, our daughter with us for the first time at an event, um, you know, last week in Miami or two weeks ago in Miami. We look forward to doing the same uh, for Pacific Bitcoin uh, in a few months. And, you know, just seeing the smile on her face, let's just know the smiles that it's going to bring around the world. and. Um, I think one thing that, that Yusuf said uh, multiple times during our conversations is how, you know, going back to the questions of, of the monsters, you know, the nice things about these characters is they know no racial boundaries. Um, so when he's delivering these to the kids in Africa or wherever else they're going to go around the world, there's not a, a connotation around that. And it really shows how Bitcoin is borderless um, and it's for everybody and it can make everybody smile. Um, so for we love seeing that. Um, the only thing I'll add, just to make sure it doesn't skip my head, is um, one other way that people or even corporations more likely um, can help with this is we do offer a, a bundle sponsorship. So if 
if you're an individual or, or, or corporation who'd like to sponsor an entire class, getting one of these um, shipments of 30, uh, we do have that available on our, our website. We've had um, a handful of gracious um, friends and colleagues and counterparts be able to do that so far. I'll just name a few of them. So um, Ray from originally from Paxful, um, uh, Ray Yusuf was able to, to make the first one. And since then we've had uh, Michael from Oshi, um, as well as Jonathan from 1031 during the conference, um, be able to, to give some of these um, to the kids in Africa via, via their bundles. So if you're interested in, in doing that, um, you know, feel free to reach out or check it out on the website, but that's one nice way to make an even better impact where we can get a whole classroom down there. I know when I saw Yusuf in Miami, his goal was to take 300 with him next time, and which is a, a high goal, but you know, we can make it happen if we all come together and go a little ways. I love it. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, sorry, Santos yep. memorizes the other person who's, who's gifted a bundle. So sorry, skip my brain there, but everybody who's, who's done it so far, we, we greatly appreciate it. Likewise, want to say I appreciate you guys coming today and hanging out. Shamari joined us as a sponsor at Pacific Bitcoin last year, and yes. we really appreciate you guys. I yeah, have put there. a link in the nest, uh, sending chamois toys and building water wells in Africa. Check it out if you want to help out. I literally just did it while we were talking. So there is a chamois toy on its way to Africa. Oh, we awesome. appreciate that, bro. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. We appreciate you guys having us on and, and chatting about it and helping to spread awareness. Like you said, that's that's the number one thing that people can do, just you know, making people aware is, is step one. All right. So we're pretty much near the end of the show here. We got about five minutes left. If anybody has a question for you guys, is that okay if we have them ask and then we'll give you guys some time to make some closing comments? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. No other questions from you? If there's anybody in the audience you want to ask these guys a question, now's your time. Now's your chance. I just want to add, uh, next week uh, we will be at BTC Prague, and then we will be in Oslo for the Human Rights Foundation um, conference as well, too. So if anyone is there, I will be coming with some shammies. So hope to be able to see folks in person and anyone that would like to uh, be able to purchase it, um, when you are purchasing one and, and gifting it, it doesn't necessarily have to go to a specific location automatically. You can gift it to someone, uh, a family member, a loved one, a friend, whoever it may be, and, um, and, and Scott will be able to send it out. Scott, please correct me if I'm wrong on that, by the way. I don't want to you know, put you on the spot there, brother. But you're able to send it out to someone as a gift. It's a great gift to be able to give uh, to a niece, a nephew, daughter, son, you know, any, anyone. Yeah, exactly. So if you want to, we can send it um, anywhere you'd like. So just use the, the normal purchase option for that one, drop in that address and we will ship it off, um, you know, around the world. And for the ones, just to clarify, the ones that go to Africa, um, there's nothing you, the person needs to do on that side of things, you know, just go to the gift to Shami option. And between the, the Shamari team and the Bitcoin team, we handle everything from uh, delivery, handing it off. So it's, no legwork needed.
Yeah, I think the big thing this, uh, from the Shamari side of things, so our, our main focus is, is getting these, this initial well built um, to make that happen. And then kind of like we touched on, which may have been cut off for, for some people is the idea that we'll keep creating these plush toys um, for different areas around the world to coincide with the work that Build a Bitcoin is doing to be able to, to keep supporting uh, the projects worldwide. So that's kind of the, the main thing on our horizon. And then um, unrelated to the, the Shamis, I'm not exactly sure what our, our, our non-Shamie project next one will be for for Shamari. there's always many ideas in our head but uh you know resources and time get in the way they'll but there'll be stuff um especially you know as we head into later this year and, and next year and, and that sort of thing all right so thanks guys again for being here we're pretty much at the end of the show i want to give you ch a chance to make some closing comments plug anything you like uh and then we will move to wrap up Thanks again to uh, to every Alex, Jacob, everybody at Swan, Pacific Bitcoin, uh, Nathan for for helping to connect everything up uh, to make this happen. We look forward to to being part of it again. And yeah, just you know, hit the website, hit our Twitter, um, go check out Bitly Bitcoin's page to learn more about the work they're doing around the world. Any questions, our DMs are always open, so we're easy to get a hold of. Chat, chat about ideas, and uh, whether you're an individual or company out there that wants to help support this project, we're we'd love to have you aboard. Yeah, just echoing what Scott said, I am truly appreciative um, and grateful for the opportunity to talk about this and raise awareness about such an important project. Um, for us, Scott and myself uh, in our organizations, we're all about uh, the level of transparency and showing folks the work that we're doing. So please give uh, Place Shaw Maria a follow um, and our foundation at Built with BTC. Uh, we're very active on social media. So any questions, concerns folks may have, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. Thank you again for having us on. You bet. Thanks for being here. Really appreciate you guys. All right. That's it. One quick thing I want to bring up before we close out here. Uh, this might be the last time I say it. So uh, if you want to help out. So Stasky 12 passed away recently, leaving two kids behind. Bitcoin are beloved in the community. If you're the praying type, send prayers. Otherwise, if you want to help out, you feel so inclined to do so, there's a link in the nest to do that as well. You've been listening to Cafe Bitcoin, the place for your morning news, preferred hangout for some of the smartest minds in the industry. We do this show every day. We talk about Bitcoin. It's a great place to learn. If you can't catch the live show on Twitter Spaces, it is a podcast on Fountain, Spotify, and Apple. You can throw myself or Swan Bitcoin a follow to be notified when those drop. Thanks to Swan Bitcoin, the sponsor of this show, my crew, Ant, Peter, Sats for Life, Wicked, producer Jacob. I'm your host, Alex Danzig, and I work with Swan. If you want to know more, shoot me a DM. Happy to help you. Thanks again to the speakers today and every day. We appreciate you guys for what you do, teaching people about this bright orange future. This is what we call getting on the mission. You don't know what that means? Hang out. You'll figure it out. Love you guys. Everybody have a great day today. Get out there and crush it.